Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings and welcome to our next episode of Tapping Into Spirit. I'm Dr. Anthony Smith and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Ms. Glenda Jones. How are you doing today, Glenda? Doing great. How are you? Doing well. Um, and today we are going to be joined by Mr. Hanif Nasir Covington, who is a practitioner of Ma'at, a priest of Ma'at, who is based in Oakland, California. And he's going to talk to us about what Ma'at is and how he came to uh, begin practicing this tradition and what it all means. So, Mr. Covington, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Absolutely fantastic, and thank you for having me. Yes. You're out there in Oakland, California. How are things going um, during this heightened time of protesting and folks trying to understand the changing of the world? Well, it's going fairly well. Um, We're still out here uh, protesting for Mr. George Floyd to make sure that uh, we keep it on the minds of the uh, local police department and folks who are in power that Black Lives Matter. Um, and dealing with the pandemic. And so it's a juggling act to do both, but we're doing both the best that we can. Okay, okay, good to hear that. Um, So we're going to start off and have you talk a little bit about your personal journey, how you came to understand spirit, how you come to understand religion, um, what it was like growing up, um, being inundated with what you were taught all the way to where you are now. Just give us a history of who you are and how you have come to be the person that you are. It would be my pleasure. Uh, again, I am Hanif Nasur Covington. I was born, I'm the third born of James and Dora Covington. I'm a husband, father of two, brother to many, uh, divine servant and grandfather. Uh, I was born in 1960 in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I really enjoyed going to church uh, with my queen mother. I was born and reared as a Baptist, and I really enjoyed church, especially uh, the choir. Mm -hmm. And practicing uh, Christianity, I would always ask a lot of questions. Uh, Why would kids die at a young age? Why was the world the way it was? And in more instances than not, I would always get the answer that I just had to have faith. Uh, I believe that I had strong faith, uh, and so after a while, that answer uh, didn't really satisfy my hunger to want to know more. And so as I grew up and started to really understand that there were more religions than just Christianity, I started to study more uh, religious once I got to uh, college at San Francisco State in the early 1980s. Um, studied um, Islam, Christianity, Catholicism, Buddhism, Confucianism, um, many different traditions, Judaism, and in my studies, I kept coming across um, this thing called Ma'at. I didn't pay much attention to it because Mahat is really not a religion, it's a spiritual belief system. Mm-hmm. And so, as I continued to study, the things that resonated with me, the things that really made me feel empowered, kept 
going back to this thing called Ma'at. And so it, uh, in uh, early 1981, I started to really do a lot of research on this thing called Ma'at to really see what it was, what it meant, and whatnot. And what I found really resonated with me and really not only changed my life, but it propelled me into the spiritual realm. It helped me to understand really who I am and who I long to be. Mm. Uh, as you noted in your introduction, Ma'at is the oldest tradition on the face of the earth. In fact, uh, Ma'at was created at a time before time and then time begins. And what that basically means is Ma'at was here before humans start keeping time. Ma'at brings balance to the universe. Uh, the attributes of Ma'at, as you may know, uh, most people talk about the ostrich feather, which uh, is part of the weighing of souls, uh, but it's also the scale, which is balance. And it's that balance that really resonates with most humans. If you study most African traditions, you'll see that in the comedic tradition, in the pyramids, we would write, know thyself. Well, to know thyself is to really to understand one's divinity. And to understand one's divinity is to understand that part of the divine that lives in us that makes us perfect in our being. Unlike Christianity and Catholicism, where man is born of sin. Mm. Uh, Ma'at rejects that. Man is born in perfection, and the journey, the path, is really about human perfection. Uh, Ma'at is governed by seven cardinal virtues, which is truth, justice, righteousness, harmony, balance, reciprocity, and order. And those are the things that you live by on a daily basis. Uh, Ma'at is also governed by ten divine principles that is really what a person uses in order to educate themselves on a path of perfection. Uh, those, divine, those divine principles would be uh, control of one's desires, control of one's thoughts, control of one's actions, devotion to one's purpose, and I'll come back to that one, devotion of one's purpose. Uh, faith in the teacher's ability to teach the truth, faith in one's ability to assimilate the truth, faith in one's ability to will the truth, freedom from resentment on the prosecution and or wrong, faith in one's ability to distinguish right from wrong, and faith in one's ability to distinguish the real from the unreal. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that I highlighted number four, which is uh, devotion to one's purpose, is because in studying Ma'at, what you find is those who are practitioners of, uh, practitioners of Ma'at will not have their truth revealed to them the same way, because all of us have a different purpose. Mm -hmm. And so you and I could have a conversation and a statement that I made to you you may take one way and Miss Glenda may take another way. And that's because your purpose in life is different. And so unlike most religions, and as you know, religion is re, ra, or re, ligament to tie oneself to God, whereas today religion is to tie oneself to the Bible or tie oneself to the church or tie oneself to the pastor. And God has gotten somewhat lost in that process. Whereas Ma'at is really about self-evaluation. It's about human perfection. Uh, I have defined uh, perfectibility. Perfectibility is the ability to master one's pure energy through extraordinarily clear thought with the expressed intent of intellectual transformation, spiritual enlightenment, and divine service. And mm. so what, what, what that means is is intellectual transformation you have to study in order to elevate your thoughts mm -hmm. once you elevate your thoughts that builds your spiritual your spiritual enlightenment you become closer to the divine and then divine service is taking that which you have developed and going out into the world and making the world better and so in practicing Mahat 
the goal is to, at the time that we leave this earth, that we make our transformation into another existence, at the time that that happens, we are to be deemed as perfect in who we are at that time. Because as you know, perfect can only be measured at the end. Perfection can be throughout because it's continuous. But perfect can only be measured at the end, whether you say um, it's judgment day or the wing of the souls or whatever tradition you practice normally has something that when you make transition, uh, you're judged to see whether or not you were a good person. And in Ma'at, when you have the wing of the souls and you have, uh, your heart is being measured against the feather of Ma'at to see that your heart is as light as a feather. What that means is, again, that spiritual enlightenment, that we have lightened our heart, that we have given to the world all that we can get. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to break some of these concepts down a little more for people who aren't familiar with the terminology or even uh, what Ma'at is. Um, So... When you talk about the weighing of the heart, I think one of the things that people might be familiar with is the depiction of the goddess Ma'at, who um, stands as this um, um, goddess with outstretched wings, and and she, you know, you see it in the Egyptian artifacts and and the different um, pictures that you see, um, and then there's this uh, idea that your heart is weighed against a feather in her presence. So in one in one hand is your heart, in the other hand is the feather. And what's the significance of those and how in the depiction and in what happens with that depiction? Because there are the 42 uh, negative confessions that are involved with that as well, right? Correct. Okay. That's the 42 ammunitions of my heart, that is correct. Okay. And, and basically what that is, is is a depiction of what's called the wing of the soul. And again, as we transition from this life uh, to the next, our heart is measured against a feather of Ma'at. And so Ma'at would, would escort you to the scale. And the scale would have a jar or a bottle that would encompass your spirit, your soul. And on the other would be uh, ostrich feather up that represents Ma'at. And the scale should be balanced, which means that you have enlightened your heart. And the weighing of the, uh, of the soul is Keru and Anubis is there to watch how the, the scales are balanced. And Tehuti, who is the royal scribe, is actually writing down... Uh, what you have done or have not done. And uh, a lot of people get confused when you talk about the 42 admonitions of Ma'at or the negative confessions, and they're only called negative because you're making statements about what you have not done. And so you would say things such as, I have not done inequity. I have not robbed with violence. I have not stolen. I have not murdered. I have not frauded offerings, those kinds of things that you would be saying that you haven't done. Uh, again, meaning that your heart was pure. If indeed, in the weighing of the souls, your heart, your soul ends up being balanced, then of course you go on to sit uh, with a song. On the other hand, if it's not, then your soul is devoured and you know, you come to uh, uh, an end and or conclusion. Hmm. Okay. So, I, ha- I have a, when you're saying the 42 negative confessions and you're saying what you have not done. Correct. In, in the practice of Mayat, is there any similarity with Christianity where there is the ability the opportunity for redemption, like on this journey. And as you are experiencing life and learning, 
yourself and developing, I'll say this in this human body, but your soul is where is the opportunity for like redemption? Is, is that something that is still available in the process? Uh, the, the, the short answer is no. And the reason that is no is because again, in Catholicism in Christianity, man is thought to be born out of sin. Mm -hmm. And because man is thought to be born out of sin, they have had to have uh, where you have confession or conversion because of that sin. Ma'at does not have that. In fact, that's one of the things that really drew me to Ma'at because we're born in perfection and life is really about developing that perfection. And again, when you look at the seven cardinal virtues and the ten divine principles, you utilize those to navigate your way through life so that at the conclusion of this journey, you can say the things that you have not done because you've been wise enough to do it. Uh, to address part of your question that talks about Christianity and whether or not they have uh, taken some of the 42 ammunitions of Ma'at, absolutely. Anyone who studies Ma'at can read the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or the Book of Patahotep or any of the spiritual texts, and you will see Ma'at runs through all of them. Yeah. Because Ma'at is really about righteousness. And righteousness is not doing right, it's doing the right things for the right reason. And so when you look at the Bible, one of the first things that the Bible talks about in Genesis, uh, in chapter one, uh, chapter 3, talks about um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And you know the story, they... they uh, talked to the divine, the divine told him not to eat the fruit of the tree, and uh, the serpent told Eve, hey, God didn't say you couldn't eat it, and they don't want you to do this, and et cetera, et cetera, and they go ahead and do it, and then their eyes are open, and basically what that story represents is man's ability to have free will. Well, if you study Ma'at, you'll see that man was born with free will, and therefore that's why we reject the notion that there's a such thing as God's chosen people because people have to choose God. Yeah. God is God is in the divine lives in all of us. So there is no redemption that is needed outside of self-correction. If a person commits a crime, let's say, that person is required to be apprehended, to receive punishment and to repent in terms of learning the needed lessons to become a better person like myself. In my past, I've been a liar, a cheat, thief, some of all of that, right? Okay. But in the development of walking the spiritually enlightened path of my heart, I've had to give all of that up in order to become a more perfected human being. So... There's a price to pay as we go on this journey. So, and, and I'm just trying to understand. So, when we when you say um, at the end of this life, one of the 42 negative confessions would be, "I have not stolen" or whatever. Been a thief. Where, if you have, when are you able to say, "I have not"? Well, because, again, remember, you're not talking about your whole entire life. You're talking about, because life is about learning. Life is about developing. If you think back to the beginning of time, there was no such word as religion. So what did people do? People did what the divine told them to do. Okay, how do you learn the difference between what's right and what's wrong? You do that by living your life, correct? Mm -hmm. And so in most traditions, especially in Ma'at, you're not judged by your execution, you're judged by your intentions. And so if you're stealing to feed your family or to eat and those kinds of things, it's, it's still wrong. But as you progress through life, when do you make the corrections to go back and to serve in order to make your wrongs right. Does that make sense to you? It does. So that was kind of the question. 
Like it, it's not about you have not done it in your whole life. Cause no. you answered that, that. Cause that was my question. I was trying to understand because I know that this life for me has been a journey and right. there are things that I have d done that were lessons that I choose no longer to do. Correct. But and, and at those points, it's when you learn the difference between right or wrong, or you have made a commitment to do better and be better. Correct? Yes. And at the time in which you, you commit to Ma'at or Christianity or Yorba or whatever the case may be, that's when the clock starts ticking. But see, there's also the question of, in my mind, this this philosophy as I as I look at all these different traditions, the ability to be human and the philosophical questions that we get about when is something okay to do. So um, you you brought up uh, the person stealing food to to feed their family. So even if a person has evolved and they're still in a place where their children are starving or they need a, a medicine that's too expensive and they can't pay for it should they just allow their child to die or should they steal and get the medicine so that their child can live and then if they and, see, and then and, and see and that's the beauty of uh, of tradition that's the beauty of mod that decision has to be made by every practitioner individually because we're, because we're a judge based upon our actions and we don't get to blame the devil for things that we do it's on you when you make a choice for every decision and choice you get benefits and advantages consequences and repercussions but they're yours and so if you're able to stand in your truth and do something that you know is wrong and still do it you're going to have to answer for that okay that's, that's the beauty of mod, and that's why I started this by saying it's going to be different for each person because based on what you're saying, if I elevate that example just a little bit further, basically what we're saying is if a person who is really committed to practicing uh, mod and they have that choice or decision to be made, what will they do? That's going to vary from one person to another. Now, if you ask me that, my answer would be I wouldn't do it. I would, I'd have to find another way, but I couldn't do it because, again, it would go against everything that I believe in, that it would scar my divinity, that it would represent the divine as a thief. And so while I know that everyone has that choice to make and we all have hard choices, that's really when your spirituality shows up during those tough times. Because more often than not, we get tests. We get tests to see if we actually believe the things that we say that we believe. And as you guys know, I'm sure, the toughest lessons go to the best students. Mm, that's so true. Who, and so those who profess to be priests or pastors or reverends or whatever uh, term you want to use, we're going to get those tests to see whether or not we actually believe that which we say we believe. So here's where you know, I, you know I'm gonna let's 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 delve deeper into this, right? Because it's a question of faith. And whether or not a person believes. And I think you can see this whether you're looking at the Mayans, whether you're looking at, I mean, all traditions have this. More, most recently, we can look at this COVID situation and all of these pastors who said, oh, we believe God is going to protect us and our parishioners can come to church and, and our faith is stronger than some virus. And then... A bunch of people died. Right. 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 So one could then further rationalize and say, well, it was their time and God's will for them to die. Um, or one could say maybe they were wrong. How do you how do you make sense of that? For me, for me. And, and, and again. 
when you look at Eurocentric traditions, again, they have tied themselves to the pastor, tied themselves to the church, tied themselves to the Bible. If someone is telling you to do something that is against your existence, it still boils down to your choice as to whether you do that. The beauty of Mahat is it's a relation between it's a relationship between you and the, and the divine. There are no intermediates. There are no intermediaries that stand between you to tell you, oh, you should go left or you should go right. What you have is a personal relationship with the divine. Now, that's not to be confused with the ancestral uh, realm where my ancestors are talking to me and making sure that I live my to the best of my ability and tell me when they think that I'm making a bad decision, right? But if a pastor, a priest, anyone comes and tells me to do something that I know to be inherently incorrect, it is my choice. Because again, benefits and advantages, consequences and repercussions. It's on me to make a decision of which one I would do. That's why I'm no longer Christian. Not because it's not a good religion, because I think all religions are good. I think that they're just poor practitioners. But it didn't feed my soul. My heart feeds my soul because it allows me to be responsible for the things that I do and say. Everything. So if I think a bad thought, I'm responsible for that. If I say something that's inappropriate, I'm responsible for that. Because again, it's intellectual, spiritual enlightenment, and divine service. So you, you still have those three tiers that you're trying to fulfill at the same time trying to make sure that truth, justice, righteousness, harmony, balance, reciprocity, and order are in your daily life in every thought that you think in everything that you do. Because again, it's about human perfection. Mm-hmm. I know that most people do not believe that they can be perfect. And each time I ask someone about their own perfection, it tells me that they have not read. Because if you read any of the spiritual texts, be it the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, the Book of Pratalata, it doesn't matter. It's going to tell you that the whole purpose of us being on this earth, in this existence, is to become perfect like the divine in heaven. There is no text that you will ever read that says anything other than that. So when Christians tell me that they can't be perfect, basically they're telling me that they have not read or they do not subscribe to that which they say they believe. Now, how much of that do you think is our, um, the way in which we define the word perfect? Because I believe that some of that, like some of us believe that in order to be perfect, you're not, you, you're doing nothing that would be, um, I think some of your learning experiences, some of the experiences of life where you learn things, um, some people may think that's not being perfect. Okay. Well, go back to what I said before. Perfect is how you are judged at the end of your life. When you say perfect, perfection is that act of becoming perfect. Right. We are not judged by our execution. We are judged by our intentions. I may intend to do something very nice for you. And I come and say, Miss Glenda, I really like your earrings. And you say, I hate these earrings because this guy gave them to me. I just wear them for whatever reason. Well, I didn't mean to insult you. I didn't mean to do something negative. That's not how I'm judged. My intention was to say something good, something nice, to perform an act of kindness. And so if, if you accept the fact that life is really about learning, about evolving, about growing, about moving on the path, the path of perfectibility to become perfect, that means every day we're out doing stuff, learning the difference between right and wrong. But once you understand what's right and wrong, you then make a choice to do right or to do wrong. And then that becomes your intention. 
It's never your execution. If you read the Bible and you go and you look at some of the study guides uh, or the, 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 the Torah or the, or the Quran, you will see that when they talk about perfection, and when they talk about in the Bible, and they say that um, Job was a, a perfect man in his day, okay? When you talk about that, you look up what is perfection, basically what they're saying is that the man has good intentions, that he has a good heart. And again, that's what we're judged by. If you don't believe that you can become perfect, that means you don't try to evolve. That means you don't try to do what's good on a daily basis. That means it's okay for you to do things that you know are not right because, you know, you, you get to confess it or you get to make some kind of conversion. Well, Ma'at doesn't allow you to do that. You're responsible for everything that you do and say. And if you take your life that serious, then you understand, go back to how we started, know thyself. If you know yourself that well, you're on the path of human perfection, which means that at the time in which you transition, are you the best Miss Glenda that you can be? So is it possible that what's right for one person is not going to be right for the next person based on what you're saying? Absolutely. Because remember what I said before. The beauty, and that's why I pulled out uh, the fourth principle when you talk about divine principles, devotion to purpose. If, if, if my purpose is different than yours, I'm going to see the world differently than you. As an example, hypothetically speaking, you grew up in a neighborhood where there was no uh, police brutality. That police performed in a way that is prescribed in their policies, right? That they're there to serve and protect. Well, my reality is that they abuse me that they take advantage of me, right? And so when I'm telling you about being racially profiled and that's not your understanding and that's not your experience, your truth is going to be, no, nah, I don't believe that that happens, right? Right. The tricky, the tricky part is if you, if you peel back that onion, what you find is more often than not, I get mad at you because you're questioning and challenging my existence, right? The flip side of that is because that's not your experience, I now am questioning and challenging your existence. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we get confused because we think it should be the same when in fact it's not. And that's why when you look at uh, spiritual traditions, uh, more often than not, and I use the example because uh, it makes the point, so bear with me, if I was driving from uh, Oakland to L.A., right, I'm going south. And if you're going from San Diego to L.A., you're coming north. Now, we're both driving, and all of a sudden I call you on the phone and say, you know, Anthony, where are you? And you say, I'm, I'm about 30 minutes out of uh, L.A. And I look around and I say, well, you can't be because I'm 30 minutes out of L.A. Then I say, well, Anthony... What's, what side is the water on? What side is the ocean on? And you say, well, it's on my, my left. And I say, Anthony, you're going the wrong way, man. You're going, and I get into an argument with you about direction when, in fact, we're actually going to the same destination. Hmm. And so we get caught up in how people practice and how they serve the divine or how they try to bring out their own divinity and we try to use our yard marker to measure their character. And so every time we do that, no one can ever measure up. Right. Because right. the way we see the world is going to be different for everybody. That's kind of what I think when I was saying someone's understanding interpretation um, of what perfection is and perfect. I don't believe that we... Um, Com like commonly that like generally n have that understanding or overstanding in which the, the way in which you explained it um yeah i mean, I, I don't think that that's how we're taught that perfection or perfect that like what that is so that i think that's a really good way of the way in which you describe it um helps quite a bit with that yeah because 
you'll find in more more often than not, there are not that many traditions that we focus on our perfection and bringing out our divinity. What we get caught up in is the rituals, the traditions, the ceremonies, and those kinds of things. But again, if you peel that onion down to its core, you'll see that the whole reason that those those traditions were created in the first place is to bring out your divinity. Yes. I'm sure that most people believe that the divine is perfect. And if we are made of the divine, in the divine image, how could we be less than perfect? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Logically, that, that wouldn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. But if you believe that your purpose on this earth is one of divinity, and you spend your life trying to be the best you that you can be, at the conclusion of your spiritual path, you will be successful. Because you will be governed not by what people say, not by a book that tells you what you should or shouldn't do as though we're all going to do the same things the same way. Um, Because I'm sure you've seen people um, who read the Bible and they get different interpretations. And that's because their understanding of the world is different. Yes. Because their, their purpose on this earth is different. And we spend more time debating and arguing about how we should serve versus talking directly to the divine and learning how to serve. Yes. Yes. So uh, another thing you talked about was um, in some of the other practices and traditions or religions, people um, do what the pastor or the priest or whoever may tell them to do. In In your practice, are there teachers? And if so, what are those teachers and how do you relate with the teachers? Well, I'm sure you've heard the saying, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yes. And again, uh, if you read the fifth principle, uh, divine principle of my art, it says faith in the teacher's ability to teach the truth. In your journey to perfection, you will come across those folks who are speaking truth. And those teachers will come in your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. It just depends on who they are, where they came from, and whether or not you need them to that degree. For me, uh, I've had a lot of teachers who have taught me different things about life, and in some cases, my teachers have taught me what not to do versus Mm -hmm. what to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but because my journey and my path, it may be different than theirs, just like on the freeway or on a city street, we only intersect at certain points. And once once my cup is filled, it's time for me to move on. Mm -hmm. I can't can't be stuck. Otherwise, I'm not trying to fulfill uh, my purpose. Uh, There's an old uh, saying, Uh, or a story that goes you have a student who wanted to learn a tradition and he goes to a teacher and he does all the study and all the reading he does everything he needs to do to prepare himself so that when he meets this teacher he can let the teacher know that he uh, is ready to learn and so the teacher sits down and says what can I do for you the student just starts you know I want to know this and I know this and I know this and just talking, talking about all the stuff that they've learned. And the teacher listens for a while, and pretty soon the teacher says, uh, can I get you a cup of tea? So yeah. And so the teacher gets a cup of tea, and he starts pouring the student tea, and he just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. The cup is running over. And the student is looking and saying, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the teacher replies to him, this cup is you. You're so filled that I can't put anything in there. You think you know more than you need, and so I don't have anything to give you. You have to empty your cup in order for me to put something in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I See, love it. And, 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 and what that means is each time a, a teacher comes into our lives, we get a certain fulfillment, but as we move to the next level of desires, thoughts, and actions, 
we now have to go to the next level. And at that level, you're going to find a new teacher. Mm-hmm. But to try to stick with one teacher means that you're going to get stuck in life. And, and again, that's one of the differences when you talk about uh, Eurocentric traditions versus Afrocentric t- traditions. Most of our traditions are based in ancestral worship, is based on our relationship with the divine, and it's really based on our evolving. Because again, you go back to, and we always have to go back to, know thyself. Right. Which is kind of interesting to me. As the old adage goes, you have to fall in love with yourself because you have to take you everywhere you go. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you know that you are divine, divine by nature and in nature, you will take care of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I like to think of the concept of we're perfect as we're striving for perfection. I say it a, a, a different way. Because I think that a lot of the experiences that we may have along the way serve to build us into the people that we need to become and we cannot know what we don't know right Right. so when i think of myself at 26 and (laughs) you know i i i shudder to think of how much i didn't know at that time and i thought i was on point like really i was 26 years old i got a phd i'm good to go but I didn't have life experience at that point. And um, now I think about uh, this lifelong journey of working to obtain a PhD in life. And that that degree won't be conferred until I stop breathing. Right. Um, so it's, it's a different concept. But each one of those experiences are necessary for the advancement and evolution of my soul, of my spirit, um, without knowing um, the grief and the pain of some of the adversities I've been through, I could not fully appreciate what these concepts mean. Right. Uh, does that make well, sense? Absolutely. The, the, the difference is, and I understand exactly what you're saying, because more often than not, we try to make these things make sense to us which is what we should be doing. But here's how I would restate what you said. Hypothetically speaking, if you're playing a basketball game and you're shooting and you're 10 for 10, that's perfect, correct? Right. But the game's not over. So that means there's still a chance that you could miss a shot, correct? Right. So that's that's, that's, that's perfection. It's not perfect because the game's not over. Now, once the game is over and you end up 10 for 10, that is a perfect game. But if you play another game, it starts all over again. So we're going to have perfect moments because those moments are over. We're going to have perfect lessons because those lessons are over. We're at the conclusion of those. We can even have perfect teachers. Once they leave, that becomes the end of it. But what we're talking about when we're talking about human perfection as it relates to being perfect at the end of your life, so you will have perfect moments, but you can't measure those moments until they're over. Perfect can only be in existence at the conclusion of something. It can never be active. Right. Because there's always a chance that something could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand it as a concept, but I'm pushing back a bit in that even as like even if we look at contemporary times, people say, "Oh, this is so horrible. We're living under this horrible president. Um, these uprising, this revolt, the economic um, downturn, the dealing with this virus is just horrible." But in my mind, it's perfect. It's exactly what is necessary for the evolution of what it is that needs to happen uh, right now on Earth at this particular point. Right. And so if I fast forward from now, if I project 10 years from now, I think we'll be happy that this president was instilled, installed so that all of the evil and all of the 
nastiness and the racism could really be uncovered and put front and center so that we no longer have to have people pretending to be one thing but really covertly doing something else right this even this system which does not serve and is not about justice needs to be dismantled there's been a dismantling of this system because it's not about equity and justice right and it's necessary for these things to happen for that dismantling to occur and right. I guess listening to you all, it sounds like you're saying the same thing. It's just that you're using the word perfect and he's saying perfection. Hmm. And it's really the same thing. It's a process. We are born and we are created perfectly. Mm -hmm. What the creator created was perfect. We that because that was done, that creation. Right. And our journey is a journey of learning and a variety of things. And where we are getting to the end, which should be perfect. I, someone said to me, practice makes perfect. No, perfect practice makes perfect. Because in that practice, you have to have some times that it, there was perfection in that practice before in the real game, you're ever going to get to perfect at the end of that game. So I, I hear what you're both saying and you really are saying the same thing. You're just using the words differently. But I, I believe that you you really, it, we do know that it is a journey. And I do, I do feel that in Christianity, we are taught we are born in sin. I never was able to understand that because this baby who did nothing, I mean, it's just a lump. Right. It's just it's sitting there. It can't feed itself. It can't change its own. How did it sin? Right. What did it ever do? So I, I mean I, I hear what you're both saying and I think you it's just kind of the order and the way that you look at it, but I believe that one of the most important things is when you know better, you do better. So many of us don't, and that's one of the things we have to be held accountable for on our own. When you know that you something that you are doing that you should not do, you should not do it. It shouldn't. And it seems like in the practice of Maya, there's nothing hanging over your head. You're going to burn in hell and you're going to whatever it is that hangs over your head. Oh, the pastor is going to be you have to. It has to be with like you within your own self. You have to determine what is you should and should not do for you. Mm -hmm. What is the thing that if you feel like it's something you should not do, then that's what you shouldn't do. Or if it's something you should, that's what you should do. Absolutely. But and the beauty of, and the beauty of my eye, like I said before, <laughs> when, when Anthony is explaining exactly how he sees the world and what that means to him as a devoted, uh, servant of the divine I have to accept that because Ma'at doesn't allow you to judge someone else it doesn't allow me to tell you that you're right or wrong because I don't know what your purpose is and any energy I give trying to point out where I think you're wrong is energy I take away from my being right Right. and mm -hmm. so when you explain it the way that you explain it it makes sense to you and if it makes sense to you, and ultimately it makes your truth make you better, it is right for you. Yes. Yes. And so I, I don't debate over semantics. I, I, I love getting into conversations where we're talking about how we view the world because in essence, the more we dig down, it helps to unveil or to reveal what is our purpose. And once a, purpose, a person knows what their purpose is, then they're required to actually go out and either fulfill their purpose or not. Most people don't even believe that they have a purpose. And if they do believe they have a purpose, they don't know how to reveal it. They don't know what steps they need to take in order to uncover why they're here. But that's what life is about. It's yes, a it We're is. We're all here for a reason. And we need to figure out exactly what it is, because when we leave, we want to have left something to the world. 
Again, you want to enlighten your heart. You want to lighten your heart by giving to the world and giving to others. That's that divine service. Mm-hmm. You know, and as, as we talked about before we actually went on air, that's one of the reasons that I shy away from the term priest is because the concept that people have in their minds of what a priest is, I may not fit. Because in their mind, it may be someone who's very rigid and very judgmental and someone that you can go and tell all your secrets to and, 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 and confess to and do all those kind of things. I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. My job is to hear what you have to say and then ask you, where are you trying to go? How are you going to get there? And then to question whether or not you're doing the things to actually fulfill what you say you want. Right. And that's why I define myself as a divine servant because I live in my divinity. I know that that's part of my journey. And at the core of it is service. Because any action without the intent of service only serves yourself. Okay. It's good stuff. So are there things that you do um, in in your practice that are uh, ritualistic in nature uh, for somebody? If somebody wanted to start practicing um, living their lives according to the concept of mod, what would you suggest that they do? Well, like I said, it, it, there are three things that I think a person has to do. Uh, one is intellectual transformation. Mm-hmm. You have to start studying. Mm-hmm. You have to know what it is that you want to aspire to. You have to try to figure out what is your purpose. Then spiritual enlightenment. One, as I said, once you start studying and you start understanding what the seven cardinal virtues actually mean and how to represent those in your daily life, it's not just calling out words, it's understanding the concept and then how to put those practices in your life on a daily basis. Not just in your actions, but in your thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. And then understanding that part of that is the ten divine uh, principles where you're actually going out and trying to find and identify your teacher by trying to hear the truth because it will reveal itself. And then how to assimilate that truth and how to wield that truth. Once you study and then you're spiritually enlightened, then you go out and serve. And it be, and it's not something you have to do. It is a natural phenomenon. Hmm. When, when, when we who are divine servants talk about truth, justice, righteousness, harmony, balance, reciprocity, and order, we're talking about the way we think on a daily basis in our actions to make sure that our intentions are pure. We can always improve on our execution, but it is our intentions that we work on. And then when we control our desires and thoughts and action and devotion to our principles and uh, the teacher's ability to teach the truth and assimilating the truth and willing the truth and resent uh, freedom from resentment and understanding the difference between right or wrong and the real and the unreal, Everything starts to reveal itself to you, and your path of enlightenment, your purpose is revealed, and you'll know what to do. Mm. Because the divine will put in your path everything that you say that you want. But again, they're going to be tests. Right. Mm-hmm. They're going to be tests. And so, uh, as you know, a lot of people always say they pray for patience. Mm-hmm. What they don't understand is when they say they pray for patience, you also are praying for the situations to come to prove that you have patience. Yeah, that's something I stopped praying for, honey. Patience and strength. I, I'm strong enough. <laughs> I do not want to carry any more of the weights. I'm good. I, you know, I pray for a few other things. But I'm with you on that. that patience and strength. Like we don't really understand at times what we're praying for. And, exactly. and until we have to practice what I'm going to use, what we preach, 
we don't even know. And if you don't practice it, do you really believe it? Do you, is it Absolutely. like, so Absolutely. that's what's important. It, like, as a divine servant of whatever your practice is, your life, the way in which you live on a daily basis should be an example of that. Absolutely. You know, so as a young girl, I've heard older people say, do what I say, not what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's not really how people learn from you. Right. Like as, as a child, I learned by what you did. Correct. And that would be the most of what I learned. And so if, if it's important for me, the, the principles, I can't be a divine servant until I am practicing what it is that it, that I believe and that I subscribe to and what is right for me in my connection with the divine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely correct. And and, and again, the thing that I love about it is I don't get to blame anybody for my shortcomings or my weaknesses uh, because it's it's all on me. Yes. Before I ask the divine or my ancestors for something, I have to really make sure that it's something I need or something I want. Because again, everything that I ask for, they're going to give me. You know, I know that everything that I ask for, they're going to give me. It's just a matter of whether or not it's good for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I need to make sure that when I ask that. So if we go back to the example of whether or not I would steal or do something for my family in order for them to, 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 to survive, you know, again, my answer would be no, because, again, I know that in doing that, I am failing a test. And the test is. Is it worth living a life of lies versus dying or transitioning in my truth? And I would prefer to transition in my truth because at the end of the day, I want my heart to be lighter than the feather. I want to be able to say that I have not betrayed that which I profess. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, this has been a very enlightening and lively conversation um i want to there there's so much more we're just scratching the surface um because i feel like we, we can go into each of those seven concepts more deeply we can go into each of those 10 principles more deeply and really begin to expand what this thing is on a greater level so um we're gonna have to have you back to do that um at some point in the future if you're would be so gracious as to come back and talk with us some more about this. It would be my honor. Okay. Any last words you'd like to offer us or want to let people know how they might um, get in touch with you if you're so inclined? Well, if they want to get in contact with me, they can send me an email at perfectibilityinc at yahoo.com and that's perfectibility with an I, not an A. Um, and I would be more than happy to talk or correspond with anyone who is serious about uh, trying to reveal what their purpose is. Mm. So perfectibility, even in the email address. I love that. <laughs> That's you what's to, up. You have to live the truth that you say you want. Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Any last words, Glenda? I appreciate you being here. Um, thank you. I have really enjoyed the conversation, as I always do with you, and I look forward to our next opportunity. Anytime. Well, I hope that I have uh, given your listeners something to chew on, and I really hope and pray that the message has been clear and that uh, they strive to be better, regardless of whatever tradition they select. Just be true to that which you select. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, we're all about critical thinking. So you've raised some things that challenge people and um, will be giving opportunities for them to apply that critical thinking and take whatever they need to take and apply it to their life and leave whatever they don't need and let somebody else have that. So we're very, very grateful for this wonderful conversation and we look forward to doing it again in the future. So, in the words of my ancestors, the Tahoe Tap. All right. 
So thank you all for joining us, and we will be talking with you next time. Wishing you much health, wealth, prosperity, joy, happiness, all good things in life. And we will be talking with you soon. Peace. We're talking about spirit. So in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive, and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.